0: This weekend, Chad, Joe, and myself got to go do something for fun, which some of y'all probably know what I'm talking about and may not consider that word fun appropriate. But we went and hiked 32 miles, uh, carrying about 30-pound backpacks through the Appalachian Mountains on the Appalachian Trail. And this is something, this is our fifth round of this. Um, So Chad and I are about a little over 150 miles in. Uh, Joe's a little over like 300, I guess now. Um, somewhere in that ballpark. So Joe started in Georgia, at the beginning of the Appalachian Trail. If you don't know about it, it's about 20, almost twenty two hundred miles. It goes from Georgia to Maine. And some just horrible evil person came up with this idea that we should just hike. And um love doing it. This is something I, I got to do when I was a, a teenager and um Joe was, was in this area. So it just it all and Chad has always been involved in the outdoors. So it just all kind of came together and worked. And uh, over those 32 miles, it is—it's amazing. It's beautiful. Um, we just walked through gorgeous forest. Um, we saw really two kinds of forest. We saw rhododendron um, and like conifer forest. So it's you know evergreen trees and these these they look kind of like a uh, um, like a magnolia tree without the magnolia blooms. Um, if you've never seen a rhododendron, but they're beautiful. And there's 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 tunnels. So it's you can't see up. Um, they're just covered, and they're just spectacular. And you walk through this. The other kind of forest we walked through was just hardwood, big, deciduous forest. And it's just these glorious, gorgeous, giant trees as far as your eyes can see. And it's just spectacular. Um, the the highlight of the trip was we went up on what's called a bald. It was the highest point. We walked from um, about 2,000 uh, feet above sea level to about 5,300 feet feet above sea level. So we climbed about 3,000 feet um, over, I guess at that point, it was probably about 15 miles, 16 miles. And um, we came to what's called a bald. And this is something I didn't grow up with, out living out west. But some places in the Appalachians, for some reason, it's not really known, trees just will not grow on the tops of some of these mountains. And so we got up there and this one was called Big Bald. And it was, it was just gigantic, And there was just this huge area of grass about this tall, just this rolling, flowing grass in the wind. And you could see 360 degrees around you, just rolling mountains for as far as your eye could speak. It was just spectacular. And it was the the blue of the Smokies that they get. And it was gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. The pictures just don't do it justice. But then we had to hike down. And, and the problem with hiking down on the Appalachian Trail is you just don't go down. As Chad and I, you know, commenced and, and, and complained to Joe, we, we go down a little bit and then we go right back up and then down and right back up and then down. And, and for another, I guess, what, uh, 16 miles at that point, <laughs> we kept going down sort of while we were going back up. And it's hard. Um, I love to hike. I can go on a 10-mile hike, three or four hours, no biggie. You throw 30 pounds on your back, and it's a whole nother ball game. And one of the things I have learned over the years, you need to be somewhat fit. I, I still need to take off a little more weight to do this really well. You need to have good equipment. You need to exercise. You need your cardio up. That's what was hurting on me this year. But even if you have all of that, your body is going to hurt doing this. Like, you are pushing your body to do something your body ought not do. Like, just, hey, let's climb a mountain with big things on our back. No, that's, that's not what we do, right? We like nice, cushy, soft, green chairs, right? I, I mean, it's hard. Every one of us have blisters. Like, it's just to get, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter what you do, it's going to happen. Every one of us have that. I think every one of us has something that's hurting. And then our muscles are just sore. I I mean, like, legit, you were thrashed sore. And so when you're on that mountain, and I remember it was about 3 o'clock Friday afternoon. That was our longest day. We did 15 miles in a day. And I mean, there's trail, and you know at the end of that trail you're done. You at least get to camp and eat for the night and stop. And I mean, your feet don't want to go like you know what the trail's for you know how to walk and it's just like doesn't want to happen your body's just done and i'll say chad and i were we a little little more done than perhaps joe was but it's hard and suddenly in your mind And I I got into this previous years. Thankfully, this year, I I, I did really well on this. In your mind, you have to know, I can't think about how bad it hurts. It's going to hurt. It's just going to hurt. I've heard stories about crazy people who do dumb things like run, that there's these walls that you have to break through. And and it hurts, and you just have to push through it. I don't know if this is the same wall, but there comes a point where in your mind you have to decide, I am going to do this. I'm going to keep walking and I don't care what feet you want to do. We're, we're continuing to walk. And you push and you push and you push. And there comes moments of those satisfaction. There comes second there, you know, After you've rested for a day, it's better and all that. But it's hard. And one of the keys to getting through is your mind. You need your body. You need to be set. But I I will say, it is nowhere near as significant. You can be very fit. There are lots of people way fitter than I am in this church that would say, no, I'm not walking 32 miles. But if your mindset is right, if you are thinking the right way, it's amazing what your body can do and how far you can push yourself. We can see this in business. I mean, it just seems like some people, man, they know what to do. They, and they strive and they go beyond. It's amazing. It's inspiring to see. But so much of this comes down to how we think. And as we enter into Hebrews today, we're going to be start Hebrews chapter 3. So if you have a Bible open there, there's Bibles there in the seat backs um, if you need one with you. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to do just six verses today. We're going to kind of introduce a new section. It starts with a command. After just a couple of words of introduction, there's a command in this passage. And it is the word, the command, consider. And that word seems so... But it is so significant. And, and in meditating on this passage for the last two weeks, this word has meant so much to me. And if you, you study, it, you could, you could you know, look it up in Greek and all these things if you wanted to kind of parse it out. But, but the heart of it is, is think about something. I mean, that's what considering is, right? It's that you need to think on this. And not just one time. Consider isn't like no read it doesn't use the word read. It doesn't use the word understand. It says consider. And, and that, that word gives us, it's some time. Um, one of the things I took on the uh, hike with me, I love making homemade jerky. That's, you know, you can't have to, everything has to be light, no refrigeration, obviously, all that. And you marinate, if, if the difference between a good jerky and just eh, is like how long you marinate it and what you marinate it in. Is it, is it soaking in the right stuff? That's this word, marinate. The, the Psalms use the word meditate. Now this isn't, you know, oh, um, weird, put your legs in weird spots. And, you know, this is, this is think about it. it. It's let your mind just dwell. And so that's what I want you to read. As we read through this, I want you to consider the first time we read it, this word, consider. I want you to see it. What are you supposed to consider? And we're going to read it a second time, and I'm going to ask you to look for a different word. So listen with me. Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, in other words, Christians, all right, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of your f- confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all of God's house. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confession and our boasting in our hope. And So here's what I want you to do. The point of this passage, the command of this passage, the here's what you do, is consider Jesus. Now, he's not even talking, and and if you're a, a person who is just coming exploring the claims of Christ, if you're one of our young persons here, thank you so much for being here. We want you to consider Christ. But this passage was primarily written to believers. And what is the command of the author? Consider Jesus. It seems like you've already done that, right? But there's a point being made here. We are to ruminate. We're to consider. We're to think about. We're to meditate. We're to marinate on Jesus. So we're going to flesh out. What does that mean? How do we do that? What do we think about Jesus? And why? What, what, what is your point here? But I want us to see kind of like the, the big picture of this. We've been going through and for the last several weeks, we've been talking about how Jesus is better than angels. Angels are obviously supernatural beings. So I think kind of the, the big point, if we could sum it up, Jesus is better than anything out there. All those things that, you know, the, the, the things that we don't know that might seem special or, or like pique our interest. Jesus is better than all of that, and very specifically, even angels. He can help you more than angels. That was Joe's sermon last week, right? Here's how Jesus actually helps us so much better than any angel. And the end of that passage, what happens is that the author talks about how Jesus, God the Son, eternal God, God of very God, became humans. That's Christmas, right? All right. So Jesus became human and he talks about how this is how Jesus can help us better than angels. And then the next phrase is where we start up right here is therefore. So since Jesus is human. He wants us to think about something else. That's the therefore. That's what the therefore therefore is. Pastor Chad says very often. Therefore, because Jesus is human, holy brothers, you who share in the heavenly calling, consider Think about Jesus, and he's going to give us some reasons where to think about Jesus. But the 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 kind of comparison comes in is okay. He's better than all those celestial beings, oh, and he's human too. So let's pick the dude or the lady. Who are we going to compare Jesus to, since he's human? This picks Moses now. Moses yeah we we know Moses right you know Charlton Heston you know big big guy didn't look anything like a Jewish person from those days but anyway we got that picture but if you were to think for just a moment who who would you put forth who is the person to compare someone to who's the standard by which we say, and we could look back over all history. People like Gutenberg invented the printing press, changed or the movable type printing press, changed everything. We might put for some great athlete, the, the greatest of all time in this or that. Someone who can lift more, run faster, throw better. We might say someone who's brilliant, Albert Einstein, Elon Musk, things who can make things that no one's ever dreamed of. We go through all these people. But for the first century, for the people who heard this letter for the first time. Their history was so different. And it's just almost another world to us. You see, for them, the founder of their nation, the greatest preacher that they have ever heard or heard of, the leader of the abolitionist movement, the most profound religious guru, guru, all happened to be the same guy. It's like talking to a person who lived in a world whose whose entire life is a place where George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Billy Graham, and Martin Luther King Jr. were the same guy and did all those things. They would compare Jesus to the person they knew. They compare him to Moses. See, he was the greatest prophet. He was the greatest leader. He was the greatest liberator. He was the mediator of the Old Testament scriptures. And this writer of Hebrews comes in and says, Jesus is a human too. And that greatest human, the human of humans, oh, Jesus has got him too. And so that's the passage we have. This is the transition we're going to have for the next few few weeks and talking about how Jesus is greater than Moses and how that is huge. That's even better than Jesus being better than angels. All right. So there's like part one of the, th- the verse, consider Jesus. Part two, we're talking about Moses. Now we to get part three to really kind of get this passage and see where he's going. I promise there's a point to all of this. All right. And that if you noticed it, and I hope you did, there is a word that is repeated seven times in six verses all right now i'm gonna guess you can figure out if someone says something seven times in six sentences probably important right is that the point yeah i mean it's 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 got to be obvious so i want you to look again if you underline in your bible underline this in your bible because it'll kind of help you see the logic of the passage i want you to underline the word house i want you to underline the word if not if you don't underline your bible that's totally fine I want you to look every time as we read this, read this passage, thinking about considering Jesus, thinking about who Moses was, and what a big deal it is to say that Jesus is better. And then I want you to look how this word house is tied through this whole argument that the writer of Hebrews makes. So read with me one more time. Let's, let's absorb this. Let's consider, right, meditate on this scripture. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in the heavenly calling... Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all of God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone and the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if we hold fast to our confession and our boasting in hope. All right, so have y'all ever heard the term, and I've had this written on papers when I was back in school in the day, I wrote a lot for my degrees, Um, and so I had a lot of these, a lot of this in red, mixed metaphors, all right? So it's it's like you take two metaphors, two two figures of speech and kind of smish them. Well, we're going to smish like four of them together today, all right? That's what the writer of Hebrews does. He never got graded off for mixed metaphors, and so here we go. We got a mixed metaphor here it's it's like he's holding a gem um Caleb I don't know if you're here we've had Caleb I've got to be friends with him he's he's a a jeweler he makes jewelry and if you take a gem like a diamond all right the way it sparkles is one what stone it is but if you've ever seen a rough diamond it kind of looks like a rock right I mean it's not you know maybe it's white maybe it's a little clear in spots but it's nothing special but when they take that diamond and they start making flat spots on it and I don't know how many flat spots a diamond has but there's bunches of them right? There's flats on the bottom you know where it angles out and then there's flats on the top and it, and it keeps getting all these different flats. They're called facets right? And what makes it catch the light and get that sparkle when Drew Dudley walked down the aisle you know her diamond was a sparkle until she got that wedding ring on with it and now it's even prettier but that, that glint of the sun is the diamond catching and twisting the light from different angles. And so what the writer of Hebrews is doing is that we got this house thing, all right? We're going to talk about a house. I'm going to use the illustration of a house. And what we're going to do is we're going to turn it and we're going to see it from this angle and this angle and this angle and this angle and this angle. One of our builders in the church, Bobby Hall, builds gorgeous stuff. Um, They have just built their house, right? He, he's built the house he wanted to build. And it's so cool because as you look at it and you walk in, he's got these giant trees as posts for his front door. But if you go in from the other angle, it's beautiful, but it looks like an office. Well, why is that? Because it's an office, right? And so you, you look at this house from different angles. It looks very, very different. Still beautiful. but it's different. And that's what we're going to do. So the author of Hebrews says here God is building a house. And we've talked about this. If you go back to our series in Genesis, you read this, God was doing something from the very beginning of all times. God was setting up a people for himself. And they were going to be in God's place. And they were going to be under God's blessing and rule. Those are going to be God's people in God's place, under God's blessing and rule. Or other words, God was building a house for Himself. That's the metaphor. All the folks from all time, that, that the people of God from all the New Testament, Old Testament, it's one big story, and God is building a people for Himself. He's building His house. And in Hebrews here, we see that Moses was two things. One, he was part of the house. So one reason why Jesus is Jesus better than Moses, well, Jesus built the house. This is God's people. God is building his people. So Jesus, yeah, he, he's better than Moses. Moses was in the house. Jesus made the house. But not only that, Moses served in that house. He preached the word. He shared the gospel. But it wasn't the complete gospel. We didn't have the full story. Moses set up the priesthood. He set up a legal system. He set up all this stuff. God used him to reveal all of this to the people of Israel. But it wasn't complete. God's people were there. And they had God's rule. But then they didn't do it. And were they in God's place? Y'all remember Moses' sin? He got angry. He went against God. He became angry at the people who probably deserved to be angry at. But he sinned in his anger. And so Moses comes and he walks up in the mountain and he looks in and he sees, just like looking over the parking lot to an island, he sees the Promised Land, and he doesn't get to go in. It was God's people. God gave them the opportunity for his blessing and rule. And, and there was the promised land just right there. When we're hiking, we jokingly, at least Chad and I do, call everything, this is false hope hill. Because you're going up and you can't see the top. And you can see light over the trail. You know, you're high and, you're <laughs> and, and, and there's light over it. It's like, oh, we're almost there, almost there. We're going to go downhill, not uphill. And you get up there and you just couldn't see the hill. Like there's another one it's like three times as big. That's kind of what happened with Moses. He was amazing. God used him, He was God's servant, He was faithful, he was good, but he sinned and messed up and he didn't get to go there. It was false Hope Hill. He, it was there and he didn't make it. But Jesus finished it all. Not only did Jesus make the house, He was completely faithful in the house to do everything God said. He did everything I was supposed to do. Everything you were supposed to do and we don't do. He didn't do any of the stuff we weren't supposed to do and we do. He did it all. He went all the way. He was more faithful than Moses. And here's the beautiful thing. God's still building the house. We we transition from Old Testament to New Testament really quick in this passage here, and we go from the people of God not making it all the way to the people of God sitting right here that you can look around and see. And that's what we're going to trace in two quick ways. This is like the mega introduction, real short sermon here, all right? So two things today then I want to challenge you to do. Consider Jesus. Think about Moses. Jesus is better than Moses. Think about the house. Here's the two things that we're going to kind of flesh this all down to. Consider Jesus. This is in your outline. Consider Jesus because he is more faithful than Moses. Consider Jesus because he is more faithful than Moses. Moses was faithful. He was part of the house. He spoke for God. The Bible says Moses was a friend of God. He spoke directly to God. That audible voice that we'd all love to hear, Moses heard it. He led his people out of captivity. He taught them to follow God. And he led them toward the earthly promised land. But, but now, wait. Think about what Jesus does. All that good stuff. That, like, that's Hey, that's resume, right? He gets the job. Think about Jesus. Moses spoke for God, but Jesus speaks as God. Moses was called a friend of God, but Jesus is God the Son who has been in perfect love with God the Father and God the Spirit for all eternity. Moses spoke directly with God, but Jesus has perfect communion with the Trinity and only ever did as the Father willed. Moses led his people out of captivity in Egypt. He taught them to follow God. He led them almost to the promised land and then they blew it again. And again. And again. But Jesus leads us, us, like in this room, us, out of captivity to sin by taking our sins on the cross, dying for those sins, and then raising again, bringing children with Him and declaring them righteous before God when we express our faith and our trust in Him. And if you're not a believer here, that is the point. Jesus did what Moses and no other human could do, including you. He calls you to trust Him, to place your faith in Him, to repent, turn from your sins to Him because He is bringing children. He's bringing brothers and sisters. and He's not going to stop short of the promised land. He teaches us how to daily grow with Him. He teaches us how to have righteousness like Christ by baptizing us or putting within us the Holy Spirit and makes us practically righteous as we walk with Him. And He'll lead us all the way home to the eternal promised land. He's preparing for for us now. Peggy is getting a whole lot better preview than we ever will on this planet right now. We praise God for that. And we look forward to that day we see her and more importantly, see him there. He will bring us all the way home. It's So good. He's so much better. So, so what do we do though? Right? The, the command, the, the imperative is consider, right? So what do we do with that? Jesus is better than Moses. Any argument to that right now? I mean like, yeah, we, we know that. You probably came in here, I'm going to guess, knowing Jesus was better than Moses, right? So what? Here's what we do. Let me challenge you this week. Think about Jesus to get perspective on that thing that just terrifies you deep to your soul. He'll be faithful. He's more faithful than Moses. He will faithfully see you all the way through. Think about Jesus. When you fail at that same sin again, again, again. Think about Jesus when you feel that guilt while laying your head down on your pillow. Remember, Jesus, the faithful Jesus, actually still takes you back. He cleans you up. He says, I love you. I'm not ashamed to call you my brother. faithful. Jesus says, I'm not ashamed of you. He says, I love you. This verse talks about his priesthood. We're going to develop that more in the coming weeks. But but when you were sinning that time, think about this, that time when you were at your darkest, dirtiest moment, Jesus was praying for you to the Father. He was pleading his blood for you. That's what we think about when we feel that guilt. That's what we feel. But this is how we think. We think about Jesus. Think about Jesus when you feel the walls closing in. When it doesn't seem to be a way out. He will be faithful to carry you all the way Home. Think about Jesus when that incredible news comes and you want to get cocky at all your achievements. It's Jesus' faithfulness to you to be good, to be kind, to be generous, because He loves you. Consider Jesus at every moment this week, Monday morning, when the meeting hits at 10 o'clock. Think about Jesus. He's going to get you through that one. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's more faithful than Moses. He's going to do for you what no human can. But two, consider Jesus because he's more glorious than Moses. We had the Olympics this summer, and I, I love how Joe said this. Everybody knows gold's better than silver, right? It, it doesn't It seem like even little littles. Like, they know, yeah, that's the winner. They got the gold. That silver's better than bronze. Bronze is better than the big trophy. Glory is a little bit of a nebulous term, but we seem to get it, right? We know what it's like to have glory, and that person has more of it. Let me see if I can define it for you. And In, in Hebrew, we go back, and, and this is kind of where we want to trace back to this, this time of Moses. And, and the Hebrew word for glory, its most direct, direct translation is a glowing or a shining. Like, it's It's brightness. It's it's the culmination, it's it's the total of all of who God is bursting forth into brilliant light. It's the more explosion, bigger explosion of light than any E equals MC squared or any Friedman equation could ever define. It's, It's the explosion of Godness upon the earth. It's overwhelming. It's awe-inspiring. It's beautiful fear. It's, it's the wowness of God being God. Just like Tamatoa, the decorator crab, and Momoa, we're all drawn to that that catches the eye, right? A little bit of shiny. But the problem is, we go after the wrong shining. It's like the prospector who went out to California, thought he'd stroke it rich, went in to sell his gold and was told it was iron pyrite, fool's gold. You have nothing. That's so much of what our lives have become. Just going after the shiny. Moses was incredible. I mean, he had a lot of glory. I mean, let's think about this. The guy was the man who went to Pharaoh said, stop, let us go. It was the one that oversaw the plagues, the Passover, the miracles, the parting of the Red Sea, thunder on the mountain. That Moses, that dude, as Lee read for us earlier, it got to the point that Moses was so close to God, he started glowing. Like full Chernobyl experience here, right? I mean, he's, he's shiny, And the people were scared of it. But Moses, it's like an LED light bulb that they say is going to last for 10 years, just goes out. It just doesn't last. See, Moses got close to glory and the glory rubbed off on him. But Jesus is the source of the glory. where it comes from. When we get to know Jesus and we experience that Jesus is better, we don't go from mountaintop to mountaintop like Joe, Chad, and I did. We get our little glory boost. But we know the source of glory and He's working within us. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Or glory to more glory as Paul says it. Our shine from being close to Christ shines out to the world and it just gets brighter and brighter as we get to know and look like and follow Christ. We are becoming God's people in God's place. Not this building. This, this, this people gathered together and folks like us all across this globe and we're living more and more under God's blessing and rule. We don't have to put a veil on to hide our fading glory. We can actually be honest with each other and say, I struggle. I lost my temper. I fell into that sin again. My marriage is not what it ought to be. I need help being a dad. We don't have to put the veil on when the glory fades. Because... It's not just a rubbed off glory. It's Christ in us. The hope of glory. We can be together as a people. Living as the people of God. Seeing the amazing works of Christ in each and every one. We don't need fig leaves like Adam and Eve anymore to hide ourselves from God. We can know it so think about jesus he's the source of it all because he built the house he he's a better source of glory so again what does that matter in 2021 when that joke in elementary school used to call opposite day is just called tuesday now think about jesus Think about Jesus to get perspective on all those things that overwhelm you. He's better. He's more satisfying than everything going on in your life right now. Think about Jesus. Consider Jesus when that temptation always tries to get you. Consider Jesus. Worshiping a glorious Jesus is better than giving in to that temptation. Love. Well, Pastor Tom, that used to be here, is over at Grace Church now, says so often. Do you love Jesus enough to stop that? Man, that hits me every time I hear it. Do you love Jesus enough? One of the greatest sermons in Christian history is by a man named Thomas Chalmers. It's called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. I would encourage you to read it. It's free online. You can get some. Sometimes we have copies in the back. I forgot to check this morning. And what it's saying is is the power of a new affection, of of actually loving Jesus, having affection for Jesus, is expulsive. It, it, It explodes. It expels all that other stuff out. It kicks the sin out when you truly love Christ. Think about Jesus. Consider Jesus when everything in your life is bleh. He's glorious. He's the color. It's like the switch from black to white in the movie Wizard of Oz. You, know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, it starts when she's on the farm, the boring farm, and, and then she goes to Oz and everything's in technicolor. It pops. It's exciting, it's new, it, it grabs you. That's Jesus when there is nothing exciting going on. Because let's face it, most of life is getting up tomorrow and doing the same thing. By the way, some of that, most of that is not a bad thing. But, but when there's no meaning behind it, boy, it becomes boring at that job you don't like you know it's where you need to be for your family. Jesus is the technicolor. It's, it's like so many I've heard from you of that, that wild day when you wake up and you go to eat breakfast and you have no taste because you've got COVID. There's just n- nothing. I know it's not everybody obviously, but, but it's the, hearing the stories, it's just weird, Right? You, you know, I've heard of people like putting essential oils, like, you know, and chugging them down, trying to, uh, come on, I've got to taste something. And nothing. Yeah, I actually have heard that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, some of y'all heard y'all chuckle. I hadn't, no, I, yeah. I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying I've heard people do it. But it's like that suddenly stopping. And you're in Rome with your wife and you're watching them making the pasta you're going to eat in 15 or 20 minutes smelling the freshest ingredients you've ever seen in your life and taking that bite that's so good remember the psalms taste and see that the lord is good consider jesus when your life is just meh. So where does this go? Well, consider Jesus. Think about Him all the time. Read His words. Sing His psalms. Sing His hymns. Listen to sermons. Talk about Him with your people. Listen to the audio version of the Bible. book I want to read, recommend to you, if, if this is hitting home, seeing and savoring Jesus Christ by John Piper. You can get free version online or you can buy a copy as well. But... but Take in Jesus. But now I want everybody to look to the last verse there. I'm not, not going to start right at the beginning. It starts, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. That last sentence. And we, notice the pronoun there, plural. We are his house. In other words, we're part of this big thing. God's people, God's place under his blessing and rule. We are his house if indeed we hold fast our Confidence and our boasting in our hope. Now, this might—if you misread this passage—might sound scary. You like, mean I got to do this forever and be perfect at it, or I'm going to fail and get cut. No, 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 no. It's nothing like that. You're part of God's house. This is us. This is the us part of the sermon. It's not the you part of the sermon. It's the us. If we do this, this is a promise to His church. To to. Us to providence right here, sitting in the green chairs today. We can live in God's house. We are his house. Look around you. I mean, I mean, literally, look around. See these people. Thank you. Reese, I appreciated that because nobody else did. I mean that. Like, see who's around you. This is the beauty being part of God's house, it's not just us. I'm looking out and I can see your faces. I know y'all don't have that advantage, but I I remember that time with you and that time with you. And then the wedding up here with you and the, the, in the hospital, when you can actually go and visit someone in the hospital. And when I saw the baby for the first time, and I remember crying in your house at the death, and I remember this, and I remember this, and I remember the baptism we have this great thing among us we are seeing the glory of jesus christ the faithfulness of jesus christ just put on a big show this is why being part of a local church is so 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 important is we are his house condition the call to us as a church is to hold fast to our confidence hold fast to our boasting about jesus and hold fast to our hope and so this is what we help each other do so right now consider jesus you individually but then talk about him to that guy across the aisle share him with that lady in the text pick up your phone not right now but later and send the text when you have that thought of man i appreciate How much they love me. That dish of food they brought me 10 years ago when I was hurting, when my mama died. You're seeing the work of God, the glory of God, the stamp of God, as people from every walk of life who are as messed up as you are commit to one another to live out life as the house of God. We are his house, we're the church. This little outpost of glory that we don't need the veil for people considering Jesus and holding on to our confidence, only saying good things about Jesus and not ourselves. This is it. You want evidence that Jesus is better? Look at the beauty and the glory of that person sitting next to you. Remember the story consider Jesus let's pray as our team comes father help us to think about you and think about you and think about you some more Jesus help us to think about how you're working in our brothers and sisters too Lord in that moment whatever that moment is whether it's a good moment or a bad moment whether it's at the funeral this afternoon or later this week or in the meeting where we find out we've got a job promotion Help us to be constantly lifting our eyes and looking to You, Jesus Christ, who are more faithful and more glorious than anything or anybody. And then You actually work in us. So Lord, let us sing. Let us sing together as the church of God. Let us sing to each other. Let me sing to my friend. Let my friends sing to me. Help us to consider you, Jesus, all week long. And help us to consider you together. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen.